had some microphone issues this morning, so uh, we are past that. I'm excited. So it's nice to see everyone here this morning, and we've got beautiful sunshine. I think tomorrow is going to be beautiful as well. Uh, so let me just welcome everyone, whether you're here in person or online, uh, just join in the singing along with us this morning. Andy had to take his sound hat off and his guitar hat back on.
O keeper of faith, help us to keep the faith entrusted to us. Help us to keep our faith in you. Help us not to lose our faith or drown in our fears. Faith is the substance of our hope, and hope is the assurance of love. Our faith is in you, Lord, and the love that you have for all of us. We respond to Christ in faith as the church, the community sustained by the Spirit, called to proclaim and give witness to the kingdom of God. Before we go on to our next uh, few songs, if you could just say hello to your neighbor. Welcome, everyone.
morning and welcome to Earth Mennonite Church. Thank you for listening. Already, worship has begun. Um, so I will welcome you, but we've already started. Um, I have a few announcements to highlight um, tonight. The youth are invited to Kim Hoffman's home today, starting at 5 p.m. for games, puzzles, and appetizers. Um, and also there's an information form that's been put in boxes maybe a couple weeks ago um, for the youth church's trip to Prairie Land, Tumbling, and Trampling on March 10th. And if you need more sheets, you can probably talk to Erica or Glenn for those. Um, next Sunday, we will have a fellowship meal, so please bring a dish to share, and we'll be right after worship. Um, after the fellowship meal next Sunday, we will also have a congregational meeting. Um, that will be for the first quarter, um, so please come after the meal. We'll meet over here in the sanctuary. And we'll hear updates from the ministry team and all the AMC commissions about what is coming in future months here at the church. And lastly, I'll highlight in our bulletin the Relief Sale Kickoff Banquet. The Arthur the Relief Sale Kickoff Banquet will be held on Saturday, March 23rd at 6 p.m. at Yoder's Kitchen. And if you can join us for that banquet, please sign up on the sign-up sheet in the foyer by March 18th. Um, I guess this morning, based on different things that have happened in Christian education, it was a great time this morning talking about the book of Habakkuk, which I might have said, I don't know. And um, just the questions that we have as we walk through this time of our life. Um, I thought it might be interesting just to go through the Apostles' Creed for our opening prayer today. So if you would like to follow along, it's in the Brown Hymnal and on page 716. Other that, otherwise, that's what I'll be reading and offering as our prayer this morning. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into Hades. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'd like to invite up the song of worship
situated before we offer tithes and offerings for your ushers that come forward with the offerings that we're giving from the back. If you have more to give, um, please just put it in the back as you exit today, and we will offer a prayer over these offerings. Let's pray. Oh God, our offerings proclaim that work and worship are one, that life is undivided. Use these gifts for your church's ministries of reconciliation, service, and mercy. Amen.
Lord, sometimes we have questions about things. Lord, sometimes we wonder how you will work in your mysterious way. But Lord, we do trust in you. We have faith in you. We, we pray that our obedience would uh, be real and, and that we would have a desire to follow you and, and a desire to listen to you. Lord, during this season of Lent, we, we come before you with uh, confessing hearts, confessing the sin in our life and the belief and the knowledge and the truth that you will forgive us when we come to you and ask for that forgiveness. So Lord, we confess to you today the sins in our life that need to be confessed. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us. Help us to live in obedience to your ways and to your word. And Lord, we lift up the people in this church uh, to be healing, who have been through difficult times, maybe lost a loved one. We pray that you would be with each one of them. We pray for those who are celebrating various things in life, and we pray that you would be near to them as well. We pray for our world, Lord. We pray for peace. We live in a world that is filled with sin and violence, but Lord, we know that you can bring redemption to those who turn to you and seek that redemption and grace and forgiveness. So Lord, bless our time of worship here this morning. Continue to be with us, and may we receive what you have for each one of us today in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that we pray. Amen. You may receive it.
morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. The Lord says to be still and know that, that He is God in all situ- situations and circumstances. And that's a, that really is a great reminder for us today. Because it was also a great reminder for Elijah as well. And we're continuing our message series this morning on the life of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. We're going to be looking at 1 Kings 19. If you uh, want to turn there in your Bibles, you're welcome to. I want to thank Merv Helmut for uh, filling in on the message last Sunday. As we headed south, we were in Nashville, for, of course, for the birth of our first granddaughter. And uh, to, her, to our daughter, Rebecca, and her husband, Stephen. And uh, everybody's doing great, and we thank you for all your prayers and well wishes this past week or so. Okay, the days of Elijah have been has been the title of this message series. We took a little break last week when Bird was here, but uh, we've been looking at this great prophet of the Bible. The first two Sundays that we looked at showed us the obedience, the trust, the faith, and the courage. That Elijah had. His fire for the Lord was seen as he delivered messages, difficult messages, to King Ahab. He trusted the provisions of God during that time. He went and helped provide some things for others who were in need. And then he ended up at the top of Mount Carmel, where he challenged the 450 prophets of Baal. And he called, if you remember a couple weeks ago, he called down fire from God to ignite the altar, and God showed up, didn't he? And in 1 Kings 18.39, it said, when all the people saw this, they fell face down on the ground, and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. What a feeling that must have been for Elijah. We might even say it was a mountaintop experience for Elijah. And it was. But today, as we turn to 1 Kings 19, we see Elijah in a very different place. Yes, he is one of the most important prophets in the Bible. But he is also human, just like we are. Just like us. The fire that's been burning within him is now just an ember of what it was at the top of Mount Carmel. And as we begin in chapter 19, here King Ahab and Queen Jezebel are very angry. They're very upset about what occurred on Mount Carmel. And they're so angry that Jezebel says that she is going to find Elijah and she's going to kill him. For what he has done to the prophets of Baal. And so let's look at the first four verses of chapter 19 here. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. Including the way he had killed the prophets of Baal. And so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow... I have not killed you, just as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. 
Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. We are living uh, in a very interesting time in history in our world. Not to say that things have not been uh, this polarized in our world before, but I think we can all agree that things are very polarized right now. Unity is hard to find. And divisions seem to be around every corner. With the influx of prosperity and self-indulgence, we seem to have lost some of the common causes that, that just unite us as people. From young to old, from male to female, conservative and liberal, racial tensions, Wars of religion, wars between countries, and those who have abandoned their faith and God altogether. We are often faced with attitudes that divide us instead of unite us. And at times it can become exhausting, depressing, frustrating, and tiresome. I spoke about some of that back on January 21st when I preached a message about love over hate. But this, the past several weeks that we have uh, seen Elijah doing the things that he was doing, we also realized that it was that way, very similar to that, back in his day in Israel. The nation of Israel was completely polarized. With people on one side who followed the one true living God, and then those on the other side who were worshiping the pagan gods, uh, including Baal. And so, you know, through it all, Elijah has been faithful in trying to restore the people to where they need to be and where God wants them to be. But now, he's a hunted man. The king and the queen are not only out to get him, they are out to kill him. Verse 3 is very clear that Elijah is now afraid and he flees for his life. It says that he headed south from Jezreel in the north to Beersheba in the south, which was a town in uh, Judah. You can see there where that was on, on the map on the screen. Beersheba was south of Jerusalem. It was maybe about a 75 to 100 mile trek from Jezreel, Jezreel. So Elijah is exhausted. He's depressed. He's frustrated. And he's tired. He's also hungry and thirsty. And so he finds this broom tree, maybe like this one, similar to this one that's on the screen. And he sits down underneath it. And then we really see how bad things are for Elijah. In verse 4 he prays, he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. So as you look at that broom tree, perhaps you can picture Elijah sitting under its shade. And maybe... 
relate to what he is feeling. Maybe not a prayer to die, but a prayer of exhaustion and burnout. I'm sure we can all relate to that at, at some time, if not now, in our life. In a recent Time Magazine article on their website, Emily Ballesteros writes about how tired people seem to be these days. She refers to it as the great exhaustion. She says, if you factor in recovering from the pandemic, the inflation, and the global stressors, you have a recipe for complete physical, mental, and emotional exhaustion. Now, that may not be you right now, but it may be. If not now, at some point in your life, you have been able to relate to what she is saying there. Not only are you know, many people tired physically, but they are also tired of all of the polarization and the disunity and the hatred and the violence. And the busyness in our world and, and in our lives. When you find yourself in a place like that, or a place like Elijah is, as he's under this broom tree, you desperately need a fresh start. A new outlook. And a hope that promises you that better days are ahead. And Elijah, he definitely needed that here in this 19th chapter. So let's read on and let's, let's see what, what happens. Beginning with verse 5. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And so he ate and drank. And he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more. For the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. So Elijah falls asleep as he's under that tree. And the Lord sends this angel to visit him. And the Lord provides some bread and water to physically nourish and sustain him. In verse, in verse 7, the angel even hints that Elijah's journey is not over. The angel says, eat some more. Here it is, because you're going to need it. And sure enough, 40 days later, he finds himself over 200 miles further south of Beersheba in a cave at the top of Mount Sinai. That, yes, that's the same Mount Sinai that Moses uh, received the Ten Commandments on. And as we talked about in past Sundays, Moses and Elijah were also the two people that were seen on the Mount of Transfiguration. With Jesus in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And 40 is an important number in the Bible. You know, we are in the 40 days of Lent right now. 
that lead us up to Easter, a time of 40 days which we are encouraged to bring about repentance and change and restoration and, and renewed faith in, in our life. There's probably a reason that Elijah journeyed south and fasted for those 40 days. Let's read what happens, beginning in verse 9b to verse 15. The Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there, as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came, travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aaron. That's where our main text ends today. And before we think about the lessons that we can learn um, from this for our lives today, let us first acknowledge that we are not always in this place of exhaustion. Sometimes we feel energized in our work, and in our faith, and in our life. We celebrate life, we, we celebrate family and faith and the many blessings that, that God pours out upon us. Of course, our family had one just this past week with the birth of our, our first granddaughter. Those are mountaintop experiences, and they are a blessing for sure. I would venture to say that, that most people over the course of their life have more mountaintop experiences um, than they do time spent in the valleys. And that's a very fitting song that you shared this morning about the valley. But sometimes our fire for the Lord gets doused by the hardships and the circumstances of living life in this sinful and fallen world. Elijah would say, yeah, I know what you mean. Among all the things he had done for the Lord at this point, some of them were very difficult. And, you know, he showed obedience and trust and faith in God. 
We looked at those in, in the weeks that are past. He was on fire for the Lord, but now he finds himself in this valley. 300 miles from home. Under a tree, now in a cave. In a deep state of depression. And exhaustion. What is he to do? What are we to do when those valleys come? I think there are at least four lessons that we can learn from this chapter in Elijah's life today. The first one is God's provision in our times of need. The angel came and met Elijah under that broom tree and saved him physically at that, at that point. He would have died without the bread and the cup that was offered to him at his greatest hour of need. And as I read that this week, I was thinking, you know, when we partake of communion, the bread and the cup, we're reminded of how that bread and that cup are examples of Jesus' provision for us. In our sins against God, Jesus provided what we needed to be reconciled with God. The ultimate sacrifice He made for us on the cross. For Elijah here was the physical provision that he needed. And it reminds us of what Jesus said in Matthew 6. That we heard read earlier. He said, do not worry about your life. What you what you'll eat or what you'll drink. The Lord will provide. Physically, spiritually, financially, and so Recently in a message, I shared, shared a story about Corey Tin Boom. And she said it this way. She said, when Jesus takes your hand, he keeps you tight. When Jesus keeps you tight, he leads through your whole life. When Jesus leads you through your life, he brings you safely home. So in, in Elijah's situation, we also see how the Lord can provide for our future needs, even when we don't know what our future needs are going to be sometimes, what they're going to look like. Eat more, the angel said. The journey ahead of you is going to be long. So the provision was there even though Elijah wasn't sure what was, what was ahead of him. The second thing we learn or understand from Elijah's valley is that as long as we are living in this world, spiritual war, warfare is something that we are going to have to face. Elijah's encounter with Jezebel reminds us that, you know, as, as we live the Christian life, it's not going to be without battles and struggles. We, we face spiritual opposition and challenges that can lead us, leave us feeling overwhelmed and discouraged at times. You know, when people say these days that we are living in a post-Christian culture, we have to realize when we hear that, that as believers and followers of Jesus, we are becoming a minority instead of the majority. That's not easy to say, it's not easy to hear. And, you know, we pray for change, we, we pray that people will turn back to God and and that people will come to salvation in Jesus. 
But when we see people turning away from God like they did in the days of Elijah, it weighs heavy on our heart. We can understand where Elijah's coming from. And because of that current reality in our world and in our culture, we need to put on the full armor of God that Paul speaks about in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. That armor, of course, includes the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So when the enemy like Jezebel sends those flaming arrows at us, we need to realize and rely on God's promise to protect us with His armor as we stand firm as Paul encourages us to do. Now that's not really, of course, the way to deal with anxiety and, and exhaustion and despair, but it does, it does keep us from giving up or giving in to those fears that the enemy so often wants to overcome us with. God assures us of victory and that we will overcome if we stand firm and stay faithful. Third, we can learn about how important rest and renewal are in our journey through life. You know, Elijah's journey through the wilderness shows us how important rest and self-care are in the life of a believer. Even the most on-fire, faithful, committed servants of God need those moments of solitude and refreshment to recharge spiritually and emotionally. Too often, I think, you know, we try to go with this quick charge when what we need most is a trickle charge. It's like we refer to that on the car battery sometimes, you know. You can use one of those fast chargers that'll just get you started to get to where you need to be if your battery's dead. Or you can do the trickle charge, which is really much better for the battery. And, and uh, you probably remember last month when the temperatures were like below zero. And those people with electric vehicles, we saw that in the news, they were unable to get their cars to charge very fast. It was taking forever because of the cold temperatures. That's not really the trickle charge that I'm talking about, but it does make us realize that we need to slow down sometimes. And when we slow down, we find time to wind down. And maybe have a little more burn in the fuses that are sometimes very short for us. But short fuses or not, everyone does need to take time or make time to be still and know that God is our refuge and strength. That God will be with us when the nations are in uproar. Or when life just feels exhausting to us. I think, you know, it's in those times that we need to find time to get away. To maybe be away. Or to maybe just be in the presence of God. To, to hear His whisper. 
That's the fourth lesson that we learned from this text today. The power of God's presence is like nothing else in this world. The storms of life may come. They will come. But in all these storms, all those storms, the gentle whisper of God saying, I am with you and I will never leave you is more powerful than, than anything else. Elijah heard it. Moses heard it. Job heard it. The disciples of Jesus heard it. We need to hear it too. We need to take time to hear it. And to lean on it. You know, the various acts of nature came there on Mount Sinai. And they serve as a reminder of God's power and, and God's majesty. There was a windstorm. There was an earthquake. There was a fire. And yet it was in the, the still, small voice that God chose to reveal himself to Elijah. And that shows us the personal nature of his presence and his love. And his care. And how he wants to communicate with us as his people. The power of God's presence can truly see us through the most difficult circumstances that, that this world can throw at us. They may not be easy. But a lot of times they're very hard. But in the midst of those storms, the presence of God and Jesus can help to see you through them. And, you know, it's sad to think that so many people in this world face what Elijah is facing here, and they have nowhere to turn. Or they've not realized how the reliance on God and belief in Jesus can help to see them through those storms. So many people, you know, turn to drugs, alcohol, and other things to... To numb the pain. But those are not helpful. Those are not a lasting solution. And as David says in Psalm 62. It's also in the front of the bulletins this morning. It says. Find rest my soul. In God alone. This power. And the presence of God. That helped Elijah. In his greatest hour of need. Can and will help us as well. The Lord will help you and be with you in whatever this world may or life may throw at you. You know, it's good to be on the mountain and experience the many blessings of God. But it is also a blessing to have God with us in the valley as well. Psalm 23, of course, is a favorite of many people. It says, Even though I walk, in the darkest battle, I will fear no evil. Why? You are because you are with me. That is God's gentle whisper for you this morning, no matter what you are going through. I am with you. I will see you through this to better days that lie ahead. 
I put that quote from Mercy Me. It's a song that Mercy Me, recent song that Mercy Me has. And the words are so fitting for that. Better days are coming. Don't give up because the hands that are holding tomorrow are still holding on to us. Better days are coming. Watch and see. Our hope is in Jesus, of course. Our hope is in the truth that He has saved us. And our hope is in eternity in heaven, which He has promised to us as believers. Amen? Well, this week, Sonia Mueller shared something on Facebook that was from a friend, and it was so well-written, and it was very fitting for what we were talking about here this morning. I asked her if I could share it this morning, and I'd like to do that as a part of our, our closing prayer time this morning. So if you would, bow your, your heads with me. Our lives can get overwhelming and daunting and challenging. We can quickly get discouraged frustrated and burned out by circumstances or relationships that are beyond our control. In those seasons where we feel hopeless and helpless, the best thing we can do is turn away from the challenge and toward Christ. When we remember that, that God's in control and our lives are not our own, we remember that we have a Savior who gives us strength when we are weak and comforts us in all our times of need. Dear Lord, thank you for your amazing power and work in our lives. Thank you for your goodness and for your blessings over us. Thank you that you are able to bring hope through even the toughest of times, strengthening us for your purposes. Thank you for your great love and care. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you that you are always with us and will never leave us. Thank you for your incredible sacrifice so that we might have freedom in life. Forgive us for when we don't thank you enough for who you are, for all that you do, for all that you give. Help us to set our eyes and our hearts on you afresh. Renew our spirits, fill us with your peace and joy. We love you and we need you this day and every day. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Next Sunday, uh, we will see how Elijah passes on the prophet mantle to Elisha. And he is then taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. Uh, what a way to go. And so, uh, hope you will join us next Sunday as we conclude this message series on the life of Elijah. Let's stand together and let's be dismissed as we sing our singing song, May the Lord Go With You.